I took the trash out seven moons ago. He took the trash out fortnight ago. That's two weeks. That's two weeks. It's your goddamn turn to take the motherfucking trash out. I Party time, TPC, the stadium course. This is the Waste Management Open DFS preview show, and the cut line is going to deliver a show that is inspiring, a show that insists, nay, demands your uninterrupted, undivided attention. This is the show that will undoubtedly bring you Canada. <laughs> hello USA. Hello Australia and hello UK. Welcome to the cut line and we always want to thank you the listener for spending your precious time with us and last week the cut line promised this week we deliver the winner of our golf how is Boom! Richard Clark the third one two three yeah, one, two, three. One, two, one putt, two putt, Richard Clark. But only one putt. Cutline will be reaching out to you. Get that gift out to you. Uh, for the rest, if you haven't done so, please follow the Cutline in iTunes and give us a like if you get a chance. I'm Mike Cavalunas, at Lunas on Twitter. Last week's main slate was rough, but the showdowns were money. And now this show is nothing without my partner in crime, the original 6K Dynamo, the 6K Magnet, the 6K I pick him, you play him, you win him, the lineup slayer, Mad Money Manafort, My Tie Manafort, Zero Iron Zach at EaglesFan83 on Twitter, number 18 in your programs, number one in your hearts, lives in hangover purgatory, Mr. Karuna himself, Zach. Manifer, what's up, Zach? Good lord, that gets longer every time. I think <laughs> that's what she said. Ah, ah, ah. Oh. what up? It's waste management week. You're excited, I know. I am so done with those fucking multiple course bullshit. Done. Don't follow my picks in January. Just don't do it. Well, should we even bother recording you? No, I'm taking January off next year. Well, no, that's not true. Don't follow my 6K picks in January because they're terrible. But damn it, they're coming in this week. They are coming in. I'm going back to the where I know. I'm ready to play. It's one course, and that's it. It's all that matters. You better hope so. You're falling behind. A long season. It is a long season. Hey, I'm stopping my face. I'm hungry. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's go. Let's go into the good, bad, ugly. Good being your best calls, bad being calls you wish you could change, more ownership, whatever the case may be, and the ugly, just the plain absolute call you whiffed on. Start with the good, man. 
Leash Moody won. Absolutely your best call. I, I, can't get any better than that. Cannot get any I think better. We bo- than I think that. we both had him last week, right? Um, I just kind of agreed with you. Said he was a solid play, um, but beyond that, like I, I was not overweight on him at all. Unfortunately, I was, but I was overweight on my crap plays too. Uh, you got to work on the on the six k range. You'll get there. Oh, uh, my my good call most definitely was Rom until yeah. the last round. But yeah, he was the last round. He, he finished in second place. So I, I'm most definitely going to go good call. I mean, it's not sneaky, though. I guess I shouldn't really call it good. I do have to mention, I also was really overweight on uh, little buddy Snedeker as well. Ooh, little Sneds. Yeah, I he crushed was nice. it up top. I had one and three all over the place. And then I had like two or three missed cuts per lineup. I had yeah. it. I had it. Last week was it. All right, so you're bad. Things you could change. Oh, Straka. I mean, he finished three from the bottom. That, that, that's a monster. A fucking bad monster. It's um, a boogeyman. My bad most definitely was being overweight on Xander. I oh. I I just thought he would get over the yips. and He almost got there. He did. He was so close, man. And it just he couldn't figure it out on round two. And I thought yeah. the north course was really going to treat him nice. And I did too. I thought he was going to make it. He just couldn't putt, man. It was brutal. Anyways, ugly thing you just want to change and not have a part of anything. Honestly, like, I don't know. I'm starting to feel like Sunjay was a bad call. I don't know why. He was just ugly last week. He Sanjay started off good in round call? one. No, I don't, I don't know, but he started... I wish I wasn't as, as overweight as I was. I mean, he didn't do terrible, but... Not for what I paid. Not for what we was priced at last week. I'm going to go with my ugly being my midweek switch on roster construction theory. <clears throat> mm. I mean, I, I, well, I was on board that Stars and Scrubs, but then I switched. I was just like, oh, let's go more balanced, more, you know, just a natural kind of mid, more mid-price guys. And it ended up costing me because my core just didn't come through on the three maxes. But I don't know if that was a bad call. I mean, if you ended up balanced, and most of the balanced guys would have hit, exception of Rahman McElroy. The problem is the balanced lineup put me on guys that didn't hit. I yeah. ended up with too much Xander because I went balanced versus if I just would have stuck with Rom, who I loved. Yeah, no, you're right. That's that's what happened to me. I mean, I ended up on guys like Scheffler and Neiman. I mean, Neiman, yeah, I mean, I Neiman was okay. He was all right, but I mean, I didn't have enough. I had too many guys at the bottom that missed. That was my issue. It's been your issue all January. It has. January's hey. been hard. Ooh, hey, it's oh, been hard. it's been hard. Poor baby. It's a rough life over here. <laughs> the cut line is here to bring you in-depth analysis of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And we're going to do the best we can. <laughs> I like these guys. They're funny guys. Just kill one of them. To make sure that you are cashing big on Sunday. In addition, we're doing untimely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that you're creating the best lineups, winning lineups, lineups that are kicking ass and taking names, scoring big with everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line! Ba-dum-bum-bum. But Zach, it's Wednesday night. Lineups are going to lock tomorrow. What are you going to be doing 
Hmm. What will I be doing this Wednesday? You think by I... now you would have prepped for this? I did prep. And I, it wasn't as exciting, so I changed my mind. I am going to live the dream and just sit on my ass. Because so, I can. That's what you did last week. No. No, it's not. Last week I was sick. This week, I'm sitting on my ass. I have the house to myself for a week. All the, the family's on vacation, so I am going to literally sit on my ass and do nothing. Boring. <laughs> oh, you... Not if I, I haven't done that in six years. Doing it. But if you need leverage, I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be on FanShare Sports. And even with my own personal ownership projections, I know that a second opinion is incredibly important. The guys I trust, FanShare Sports. So if you're not subscribed, there is an easy fix. Usually is with these kind of things. Click Go to FanShareSports.com and put the word cut line in the discount code option. And you'll receive 20% off your membership. Ownership is a leverage not to be belittled. And of course, we've got to give a shout out to PGA and Fantasy National. You want to build stronger lineups, better lineups, winning lineups? Well, both Zach and my process start with these two sources. And they give us a huge leg up when compared to the rest of the industry. Are your lineups in the gutter? It's probably because you're not using Fantasy National. Your lineups are ending on the wrong end of the flagstick. So I ask you, how are your lineups doing? This week, the PGA Tour takes the golfers to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. This is one of the most fun events for players and fans alike. Record crowds and, of course, the ever-so-fun 16th hole Coliseum hole. (laughs) Where fear and cheers can become a friend or enemy. And this is plenty to like on this slate plenty to love about this course and nothing more exciting than these finishing holes at tpc scottsdale zach what are the golfers going to be facing this weekend oh man it is finally time to get crazy it's going to be a wild weekend out there the weather's looking great again for the second or third straight week i've lost track but it's been great weather so golf's going to continue to be great looking at a par 71 course finally one course that's it no more 7,260 yards. Uh, Front nine, not too entertaining, but the back nine will be a great show. So I think we'll be having a lot of fun this week. We got Bermuda Fairways, some Bermuda Rough, about two and a half inches so far this week. Huge greens, about 7,000 square feet. They're pretty fast too, on 12 on the stint meter, so make sure you're taking that into consideration. Although putting here isn't really the make or break as we've seen the last couple weeks. Uh, Really... You know, for me, I'm looking at guys that can hit hard and long here. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> but the there's some the course isn't really that difficult. Ranked 24th out of 49 courses ranked last year on tour. Uh, really, there's a ton of par fours, a bunch in the 450 to 500 range. Uh, for me, I'm focusing on a couple of things here, and that's going to be driving distance. Uh, most of the winners in the last couple of years have ranked inside the top 30 with driving distance. So I'm going to put that as a little bit more weight than I usually do on accuracy or good drives combined. I'm going to go with driving distance this week. Uh, Also, I'm going to take a hard look at strokes gain, tee to green. Um, That's been really one of the leading stats coming in here in the last couple years, and I I don't see that changing, uh, especially this year with the good weather. So for me, key stats I'm focusing in on is strokes gain, tee to green, strokes gain, ball striking, driving distance, scrambling, because if you hit it in the rough, it's a little thick. you got to be able to recover from that. Uh, par 4, 450 to 500. There's nine of them on this course, so I will be ranking that pretty heavily as well. And then GIR is gained. Uh, I'm also going to start incorporating 
the mixed condition model this week, which I haven't really done the last couple weeks because it's been multiple courses, different kinds of rough grass, all sorts of crazy shit. So um, I'm going to take a look at, uh, you know, the last 100 rounds on Bermuda, Bermuda courses as well as last 100 rounds Bermuda putting on fast Bermuda greens. Uh, combine that all with recent form and the key stats on Bermuda courses and see what it shakes out at. I'm trying to go a little bit more in depth this week and try to fix some of the issues I've been having. So that's what I'm doing this week. What about you? Similar. I'm going with par five scoring. Greens and regulation gained. Fairways gained. Approach, mm. ball striking, strokes gained, tee to green, and DK scoring. Um, I think these are all solid stats to consider. I know that a lot of people are going to go with the driving distance. It's not necessarily uh, a proven winner, but it does help. Um, one thing I do like, though, on Fantasy National specifically is the greens and regulation gain as well as the fairways gain because those apply to birdies and scoring kind of uh, type plays. So this is a scorer's course, and I, I love the waste management. I love the atmosphere. I can't can't wait to watch it. By the way, if uh, you have not bought PGA Tour Live, I highly suggest you do it if you're an avid golf fan. Like, golf is just ready for you when the tournament starts, and you can throw it on any kind of device and watch. I bought mine through Amazon Prime. Worked out great. Picture is awesome. Streams clear. HD. All the good stuff that you want. So Yeah, I had it last year. I haven't got it this year because the time zone kills me, but it's definitely worth it. If you watch it at all, it's definitely if like it, it's just fantastic. I just leave it on. I don't ever turn it off. Yeah, mine. I mean, it's great. Why would you? So he's two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. Well, this is our one putt, two putt, three putt birdie or better segment where Zach and I. We'll take a look at different tiers of golfers and pick our favorite plays all the way from the 11K range to the 7K range. Woo! This could be a fun one, buddy. Oh, it is. All right, let's start with that 11 and 10K range. Why don't you kick it off for us? Uh, I really don't like it, again, but I will take Webb Simpson here if I'm going to take anybody. Before, and, before, and the, before, reason, before, the reason why I'm not taking him is because of ownership, yes. Wait, 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 wait. Before you get into Webby or any play, you're saying, oh, you don't, you, you're saying you don't like this range. I want to know why. I just... Uh, why? Yeah, because, like, the the range itself. I mean, you it's just... You look at the course history here, yep. and this range specifically with this group of golfers is pretty elite. No, I agree. I, 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 not that I don't like them that they can't win. I just don't like it because I'm gonna I'm going less stars and scrubs this week. Okay, fair enough. Who who do you, who you do have? If I had to pick, if I'm playing a guy up here, I'm playing Webb Simpson as I hope the underweight of them all. I hope the underown of them all. I'm sorry. I think that the course form on the other guys around him is should suck up more ownership. I mean, you've got Ricky who finished first last year. JT finished third. John Rahm, who's got a 10th and an 11th, coming off a second last week. Webby's got, you know, hasn't played in a couple weeks, but he's had three straight top 10s with two top fives. Um, so I'm hoping that somehow Webb Simpson falls to the bottom of the top, bottom of the top for ownership. But that's that's where I'm at. I mean, for me, he, he grades out phenomenal as well. Um, number six, which also falls 
kind of beneath the stars up there. So if I have to play someone, it's going to be Webb. Well, Webb Simpson ranks fantastically in my model. My aggregate model, number one overall. Overall model, number four. Putting model, number one. Approach, number seven. And fairways and greens, number four. The other thing I like is that in my expected birdie or better, he ranks 17th overall with a 3.49. But an expected putting distance of 28.9. I do question that just because there are limited stats on Webb Simpson. One thing to look at, though, is his course history. Since 2014, he has four or five cuts with an average finish of 12th place, his best being a second-place finish in 2017. Hasn't teed it up since the Sony, where he finished in third. Um, I had him that week, and I loved having tons of Webb Simpson. But looking at it, Webb is an elite play, and you kind of touched upon it already. I'm really curious how ownership's going to shake out here. I think yeah, I, I think a lot of people are looking at someone like Ricky Fowler as being under-owned. And I have a feeling wow. that a lot of people are going to talk about him and boost his ownership. So somewhere in this range, ownership's going to go down. My money's going on Matt's. Uh, I think it's going to go down for him. You're, really? That, see, that's what I was, I was stuck between the two of them. But he's so good here. He's won twice. Uh, he is phenomenal here. I, I don't disagree with you, but like you just think of last year, how many times he let people down, <clears throat> even this year, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's always letting people down. We talk about so much on this show. By the way, that was an awful call last week. Top five finish for Matsuyama. <laughs> um, but uh... it, it's totally possible here. So the other guy I think I really like in this range, and, and why not? He, he's, he has the golf world on fire as JT. Uh, incredible form, especially in his approach game. Um, number one in my approach model. He's number one in approach in the, in the, in the model in the last 100 rounds. Number two in the last eight, 24. And number three in the last 50 rounds. So I, I think JT is a solid play, especially when you look at his course history with only two missed cuts since 2014. Looking at that, though, with the made cuts and average finish of 12th place. Yeah, I can't. I can't argue with you there. I mean, I can never. You can never say JT is not a, a good play. Uh, top ownership though is probably going to go between Rom and JT. And I and I like. I think come Wednesday night, this is where I will really take a hard look at ownership and decide where I'm going to land. Yep, I'm with you. I'm on. I'll be on Web if I'm on anybody up here. But I think I'll wait till we skip down to the nines. Well, let's get there. Let's go to the nine K range. Let's do right? it. Let's do it. Why don't you kick it off? Uh, Xander. I think it's a great bounce back spot this week. Um, I think he'll go on her own. I think no one's going to, if you're going to spend that much, people are just going to jump up to Ricky or, I mean, go all the way up to JT or Ron. But I don't know. I think it's a mistake. I think Xander's in a, in a prime position to come back here. I mean, okay, he missed the cut last week, but he hadn't really done terrible in months. He's gotten a second, a tenth, a second. And then here he's gotten, you know, a tenth last year and a 17th year before that. So I think he can turn it around. For me, he, he grades out pretty well. 11th overall my model, which isn't the best. But he is 4th in strokes gained T to green over his last 36 rounds on Bermuda courses, as well as 6th in scrambling and 19th on those par 4, 400, 450 to 500. So, you know, where he, he has his biggest issue is kind of ball striking, but he's still 28th in the field. So, you know, I'm on Xander here. I think it's a good spot for him to bounce back. And I hope... 
that people are, are a little burned from him last week. You're looking at one of them, but I agree with you. Xander's in play. The one thing I don't like about it is that he's like middle of the pack in terms of opportunities gained in the last 100 rounds. Mm. But he's ranked 6th sixth, uh, sixth in the field and birdies are better gained. 8th in birdies. Um, but all these other stats, he's in the top 20 that I'm considering, especially ball striking, strokes gained part 5. Xander seems to really pop in those strokes game par five in the last hundred rounds. Bomber. So it, 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 he's most definitely in play this weekend. I just don't know how much I'm going to get to him, but I do like Xander. Of course, the course history helps here with the 10th and the 17th in 2019 and 2018. So I like it because it doesn't pop either. Like all these other guys around him are like first, fourth, fifth, second. And he's got these two double digit numbers that I hope will like kind of drag down. Some of his ownership, like Kucher below him, like four, five, nine. Like, come on. Yeah, Gary Woodland um, interests me too. Even though he has the, he has like not as safe of a course history, but he has that win in 2018. Yeah, definitely. He's so, another guy that's a good spot for coming back off a misstep. Yeah. Well, my next 9K guy that I want to mention is Colin Morikawa, who has not played here. Um, but. Looking at Morikawa, he ranks 8th in my overall rankings, 4th in approach, and 8th off the tee. I think these these are all key, key stats to consider when looking at the metrics. Overall, though, when you look at the last 100 rounds, Morikawa ranks 10th in ball striking, 14th in DraftKings points, 16th in birdie or better gained in the field, and 12th in birdies. The one thing you want to that will hurt him here potentially is the driving distance, but he has such an elite approach game that I'm not too concerned. Um, he's young, right? He's Colin Morikawa. He's 9,200. I haven't really been on him so far this year. It's really come back to bite me and burn me. I'm going to be on the Morikawa bandwagon this weekend. Yeah. I'm always on the Morikawa bandwagon, but I'm having a, a hard time here. Because I don't have any history on Bermuda for him. And when I pull up his putting services, it's almost half a stroke that he loses. I just I just don't I don't know enough about his Bermuda style to really make a decision. So I worry if he has a hard time playing a Bermuda. Well Zozo and CJ Cup was Bermuda, right? You just don't get counting stats because there's no yeah, and he only finished 36 at the CJ Cup and the 22nd at the Zozo. Traveling overseas, home. Is it? Or is it the surface? Eh, who knows. We'll find out. I don't know. <laughs> we will. We will. I, you know, I, just, I, I love Colin Markov. I think he's a great golfer, and I think he's he, he was underrated at the end of last year. I just don't know enough about his, his Bermuda history to make a, an educated decision here yet. On his last five tournaments, he's gained 4.3 strokes gained total, 4.9 strokes gained tee to green, and 1.3 strokes off the tee. The one thing I like most is the 3.6 strokes gained in approach. Obviously, like, dead even and around the green and almost dead even in putting. So you get a hot putter, and Morikawa can easily top 10 this tournament. Yeah, I kind of think now that I'm looking at the his – what you're mentioning there i mean i'm i'm waiting heavy two to green and ball striking approach game and those are two that he is just phenomenal at and historically you don't you don't have to be the greatest putter to win here so maybe maybe there's a chance 
All right. Anyone else in this 9K range that you want to mention? Um, I'm still going back and forth, but I think I'm going to have a little bit of Bryson here at 9,100. I think at the bottom of the 9K is a little too cheap for him. I think he's underpriced a little. I mean, granted, the field is pretty strong, but... I don't think he's an 8K player. I think he's mid to high nines for on most fields. Uh, he finished fifth here two years ago and finished eighth last week. And I, I don't understand why he's priced so low. Uh, he's just been kind of invisible, right? He hasn't been yeah. on tour. He just finished in Dubai. He finished eighth place. It played great. Um, I think because of that, he's going to go kind of under the radar unless everyone's going to be picking up on him on other shows and everything of that nature. But he ranks 10th in my overall model, 8th in my aggregate model. You always yeah. worry about his brain getting in the way. Always. And this is the type of course where, you know, that's possible with fans and everything of that nature. But come on, man. And fifth, fifth, fifth place finish in 2018. And that was the last yeah. time we saw him here. So other than the ab news with Brooks Kepka, this is the first we've heard of Bryson DeChambeau here in, on tour in the States. I think I'm going to have a lot of DeChambeau. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, I, and I, I was trying to find a reason not to play him, but the more I look at it, the, the more I just want to play more of him. What's his hat? It is a hat. It's got to be. thing I love most about those DeChambeau, in the last 100 rounds, he ranks 8th in the field. Love scoring here. I think it's a huge opportunity for DeChambeau to kind of show how his game is growing he's an excellent bermuda putter in his last five tournaments he's gained strokes everywhere except around the green in fact in his last 93 tournaments he's gained strokes everywhere except you know significant strokes around the green we know the deficiencies in DeChambeau's game but and that's uh, fine here because he's from that nine the nine holes that are in that 450 to 500 range he ranks fifth in the field I mean, I don't think he's going to be using, hopefully, not using his around the green game as much here. He should just be able to dial it in. I think the only thing that will turn me off is if is, is what ownership ends up coming out to be on Wednesday. I can't imagine that he would be high. I mean, you got Woodland just above him, and you got guys like him and Godspeed if some of the people are going to play him. Well, it's going to be hard for you to roster a a GPP option with one of these top guys and DeChambeau. Oh yeah. No, you can't. You got to go right down to the eight case. So, so like you're going to have to make some hard lineup construction choices here. And I'm not sure if, you know, d depending on if you're going to go stars and scrubs, like let's just say you take JT. Yep. And then you put Bryson at the end of that. That only leaves you 74 average per player, 7,400. Yeah, that ain't going to do it. So, and if you looked at the past winners, I mean, they've been 8K plus here. Yeah. So, it, it, you're going to have to make some tough choices. You go Bryson, you're most definitely going with a balanced lineup. You know, if you go with one of the big dogs, Bryson's out. That's it. So. Nice. All right, yeah, the the, the 9K range is pretty thin. Obviously, Kuchar's good, Woodland's good. Both of them have won here before. And then um, get the Finau a little bit later. But let's go down to the 8K range. And I'm going to go back to the Terminator. Yep. I, I, I just, I'm not going to ever say that Sung Im is a bad play. And, and especially at this course, he's not. It, it There's nothing about this that doesn't tailor towards his game. Um, 
he's not in a range where he's using long irons. And, that, and that's the type of course where I think, like, in an approach game setting, I'm going to question using Sung J.M., and it's just not going to happen here at Scottsdale. He ranks 20th overall in my expected birdie or better, and then expected putting distance at 24-4, where he has a putt uh, percentage for birdie or better at 14.7. Finished in 7th place last year in 2019. Um, sadly, Jay is no longer the secret that he used to be. People are just on him every week anyway. So it's just, but it's only a matter of time before you know he just gets on a heater and and just busts DFS. Yeah, I mean I'm with you. He's a solid Bermuda putter. He ranks 8th in the 450 to 500 range for me. He's got oh man, 21st in scrambling. I mean even if he gets in trouble, he's got the ability to get out of it. Uh, I'm going to play him. I mean, I'm going to keep playing him as a, as another core piece. No reason not to. I mean, he hasn't missed a cut since the Open last year. I know. There's there's really no reason. I mean, he's starting to creep up there in price a little bit where it's like, eh, I don't know. But he scores. He scores. He's an excellent... You know what he reminds me of? Like when Phil was in that 8,500 range but would just score, 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 score like crazy. Regardless of his yeah. place. Yeah, exactly. He just bombed stuff from the rough and the wood line. He was all over the place, but he would still get birdies, eagles, and yeah, man, I remember that. That was crazy. Oh, poor Phil. Poor Phil. How how he's fallen. <laughs> but Sung Jay's in play, absolutely. When we look at specifically at Sung Jay's uh, stats, Sung Jay rigs tenth in my aggregate model, twenty second in my putting model, forty second in my approach. Um, he's got an average finish so far in in twenty twenty of twenty second place. With a 21st at the Sony, 10th at the American Express, and last week's 36th place finish at the Farmers. Often we talk about golfer fatigue, not with Sungjae Im. The guy just plays golf. He loves it. Now, like we mentioned, no missed cut since the Open. But on top of that, since 2018, no wins either. Yeah, that's concerning. For that price, it's concerning. Yeah, he's young. He is. Plenty of time. All right. Who else do you have in the 8K range? Nobody. 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 I really don't like anybody else. Honestly, I just, I don't know. All right. I The only guy I'm going to go in depth here in this 8K range, I'm going to Victor Hovland. Yep. And, you know, the, the I think the young golfer here, it's his first, uh, did he play at the TOC? Uh, no. 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 So it's his first time teeing up here in 2020. So there might be a rust factor. I I will warn you. He's like just kind of average middle of the road Bermuda putter. Um, So hasn't teed up since since the OHL where he missed the cut. Uh, So we're looking at, I think, a Victor Hovland who has the ability to score here. And he's going to go very low owned because he hasn't played so long. People are just kind of saying, eh, maybe we'll move forward. But again, name-wise, he might be very popular, so who knows really. But one thing I like about Hovland specifically is when looking at these stats, Hovland ranks 5th in opportunities gained, 20th in strokes gained, par 5, and 10th in the field in greens and regulation gained, all in the last 100 rounds. So Hovland, for me, is in play. Yeah, I'm on the same boat as, as Morikawa. I just don't have enough data. To really want to play him here. Um, I love him again. I was on Hovland and Morikawa at the end of last year. But 
I don't know. I worry because I mean his last four events he's been he's been owned, man. Twenty I mean, percent at the OHL, sixteen at CJ Cup, and like thirty fourth at Greenbrier. I know that he was a little bit cheaper back then, but I worry that and combined with you know potentially not making the cut here and the ownership, I don't know if it's worth the risk. That's how you I don't win. know. I just don't know where he's going to shake out. I don't. Yeah, it, that's how you win GPPs, though, buddy. Oh, Wednesday night. Playing, playing, playing those risky plays. So. But you got to make sure the ownership's down. If it's going to be 20%, I don't care if it's risky. I'm not playing. Come on. twenty. If you're going to take a 20% Victor Hovland. I don't. Well, there's no way Victor Hovland's getting a 20%. Why not? He's been up three times the last four times he's played. He's not going to get that 20%. I hope not. I hope he does, actually. I hope he does. <laughs> Why? Because you're not going to have any of them? I'm not going to have any. I might have one. If he's under, like, 13%, I'll play one share of Victor Holman. Because I like him. He, he does have the ability to score. Fair enough. We'll take it. All right. A guy I want to mention is Ryan Moore. Um, I'm not going to go really too in-depth in his stats, but when you look at him, he has two missed cuts in 2019 and 2018. And I think the reason that he missed those cuts is he did not play golf prior to those tournaments, those waste managements. But if you look at his course history before that, when he did play in January 6th, the 17th, 11th, and the 61st. So I think Ryan Moore can come in really sneaky here at 8,000. And he ranks so well in my model 21st overall. So I want to throw that out there for the 8K range. We're going to go down to the 7K range. And, Zach, why don't you kick it off? Is Ryan Moore really 37? Dude, he's old. Good Lord. I didn't think he was that old. Yeah. I was going to make a comment on how terrible his driving distance was. I didn't realize he was that old, but that answers the question of why his driving distance is so down. But either way, uh, for the 7Ks, I will start it off with, I think, uh, a guy I haven't played at all this season, and I really faded a lot. Last year, after he started making a runaway with a lot of the uh, scores, was is Jason Cockrock at 7,900. You know, he doesn't have the best course history here, but he did get 20th last year, uh, 31st year before that, and he has two other missed cuts going back a couple more years. But, I mean, he was really playing solid golf last year when he, when he finished 20th. So, I'm hoping that this is a spot where he can at least turn it on a little bit. You know, he ranks 14th overall in my model, and I think that's phenomenal for a guy who's 7,900 when you look at his last 36 rounds on fast Bermuda courses. Um, 19th tee to green, 13th ball striking, 14th GIRS gain, and 12th in driving distance on these types of courses. He does struggle scrambling. He ranks 97th in the field. So I am a little concerned there, but as long as he can keep his stuff straight and on the fairway, I think we'll be all right. He's not a terrible Bermuda putter. It is his best surface, even though he's not a good putter to begin with. Um, But he's serviceable here. Uh, so, you know, his strengths are his tee to green approach game, which is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, so I'm going to have some coke rack here. I think it's a good spot for him. Um, he's probably my favorite play in the 7K range. Number one play in the 7K range, Cokes. Not bad. I, li- I like Cokes. Uh, he ranks high in my model. But uh, I think he's going to be very chalky, but my favorite play is Benny on. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. I think he's a great play, too. Uh, 27th in my overall model, 25th in the approach, 34th in fairways and greens. Uh, great course history with an average finishing place, position of 16th place. He finished 20th in 2019, 23rd in 2018, and top 
tend it with a sixth place finish in 2017. No other course history that I went back and looked at. One thing I like about Benny on is the fact that he's 70, or I'm sorry, he's $7,600 versus when we saw him the other week and he was 10K. Remember that? (laughs) So this feels a lot more natural. In the last 100 rounds, he ranked 7th overall in the field, 17th in opportunities gained, 12th in scrambling, where he does kind of struggle, and I don't even want to consider it in struggle because he's better than most of the field, is that strokes gained par 5. So you're just going to have to have some help for some good days from Benny on. Um, another guy I want to mention in this 7K range is Charlie Hoffman. Yeah. Charlie Hoffman has not missed a cut in his last six attempts here. But he does have his average finishing position of 39th because of poor finishes in 2014, 2015, and 2016. Ironically enough, top 25 positions almost for the last three years with a 24th, 26th, and 20th. So Charlie Hoffman loves making the cut on this course. Which Charlie Hoffman are we going to get? I'm not really sure because we have plenty of years here that show various results at 7400 if he doesn't top 25 he's not worth it but the one thing i do like about him specifically is that my expected birdie or better he ranks sixth overall we know the putter's not that important here in terms of being a great putter charlie hoffman by nature is just average so what do you think yeah no i don't disagree i i was looking at him too and it's man he's been just consistent here in the last couple years anyone else in the 7k range that you're interested in oh so many so many keep them uh, coming russell knox i think is another one that that i really like at 7700 makes 13th overall for me he's eighth in jr's gain and 11th in par four 450 to 500 on these bermuda type courses he's been getting better he hasn't missed a cut since the since late september in the, at the greenbrier Despite struggling off the tee, which does concern me, he what he did kind of get it back under control last week where he gains two strokes off the tee. So I'm a little a little hopeful that he can keep that going. His approach game has been good, and his overall tee to green game has been solid. So I think here is a decent spot for Knox. I don't think he'll be highly owned, which I also like. Uh, he had a 10th here last year after missing the cut for two straight years. So I'm hoping these guys form and game back together, and if he can get another top 10, I'm happy. Where are you at on Grio? Uh, yeah, you know, I have him. And he, he grades out extremely well in TD Green and ball striking on these types of courses. But I'm really kind of pissed at how terrible he did last week. And it, he's made the cut four out of four times he's played here. So maybe this is a bounce back spot for him. I'm like looking at his, his previous his lead-ins, but uh, I'll probably have I'll have some. I mean, I, I don't think this is a bad spot for him. I just don't know how high my expectations are of him finishing like above 50. Yeah, I mean, he, every year going back the last four years, he's made the cut the week prior, so that's not helping. Well, Grio is slowly entering the realm of my do not play list. Getting there. I mean, we all know my exclusive, you know, DNPs of DDR, Buster Posey, and Sergio Garcia. 
Unrelated, I played a lot of DeMar DeRozan tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So even though I say do not play, I have to play him when there are good spots. But Grio, unless he just finds a putter or that approach game goes apeshit, he doesn't top 25. I don't want to risk it, especially if I'm – I mean, the only way I'm going to risk Rio is if if, he, if, if I'm in a mass multi-entry this weekend. I haven't decided what I'm going to do tournament-wise, if I'm going to go stick with three max like I've been doing or if I'm going to start going back to the 20 maxes, 150 maxes. I, I've yet to decide. Yeah, no, I'm off of him. I changed my mind. I'm not playing any Rio this week. Going back and looking at his lead-ins for the last the years that he made the cut, he never missed the cut the week prior. He, I don't care. He's finished like in the fifties and sixties. It's not worth it's the risk you're gonna take for missing the cut isn't worth the forty eighth place he might finish. Last guy I want to mention in the seven K range is Adam Hadwin. He ranks twentieth in my overall model, and we have not seen Hadwin yet so far on tour this year, thanks to the fact that he's decided not to play. Which is so quite alright. So but good the last year. Yeah, he did. He did. Anyways, Hadman, uh, kind of middle of the road in terms of his Bermuda putting. But when you look at just like his overall game, he kind of fits this course. He he does well in average difficulty. And difficult, like where he struggles is the wind. We're not going to have that here this weekend. So Hadwin, I think, is in play. When you look at his overall stats in the last 100 rounds, where he does struggle mightily is scrambling. I don't think he's going to run into a lot of that here. He's just going to have to be solid off the tee, and that's when we're looking at um, scoring and birdies and everything like that. Ranks 13th in the last 100 rounds in birdie or better gain, 13th in birdies, 13th in greens in regulation gained. So Adam Hadwin's one of those sneaky plays for me. We'll, we'll see how it works out. Um, probably more of an MME play, not a three-max type play. Good call. I like Hadwin. I, I do, do have interest in Hadwin. I think he... Kind of close the year in a really bad note, but this is a great spot for him to start a season. All right, anyone else? Seven K range? Uh, not to really go into depth on him, but I have some interest in Brandon Steele. I have some interest in Bo Hostler. Uh, a little bit in Aaron Wise, and I think that's really it for me. Um, yeah, no, nobody else besides that. Ooh, party time! No, mm-mm. Mm-mm. no. No, 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 hell no. Can't do it. So this takes us to our signature segment. Can't do it. I can't do it. Where Zach and I will take golfers that we believe will be 10% or higher owned that you shouldn't play, that we can't play. Can't do it. Love this segment. It's you. Start it. You're starting this week. I want to hear what you got. I'm going to go with DFS darling Tony Finau at 9,600. For whatever reason, the guy is always double-digit owned, but when you look at his course history here at the Waste Management, miscut, 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 and then finally a 22nd place finish in 2015. I know that Finau is coming in really good form right now. I still just don't think he likes 
playing here. Even two years ago when he was DFS darling, he missed the cut. Tony Finau can't do it. I like I like that. I like it a lot. A lot. Give me one. Hmm, where to start? I'm going to start with a guy I was overweight on last week. Stay away from Brant Snedeker this week. He is a trap. I don't care. He came in third last week, which is fantastic. Great time to be on him. Get off. He has great course history here. But it's been trending downward every single year since 2015. 55 last year, 23rd the year before that. Took a break, 33rd. And then he's got a couple. Of, he's really good on it a couple like years before that. But he ain't good on it anymore. He's going to come off a third. He's confident. Sure. He's overpriced. There's no way in hell that I'm paying. I don't even know what he is. I think he's high eights. 8900 for Brant Snedeker when I can go down one for Sanjay or up two to Bryson with just as much or higher upside. Uh, I'm off, buddy. I think he's going to come in way over on. Can't do it. Won't do it. Goodbye. I agree with you on Snedeker. I'm going to add Mr. Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth was way low-owned last week, and people were coming on him like, oh, he's low-owned, he's a sneaky play. But Jordan Spieth's game is brutal right now. For the first time in a long time, Jordan ranks outside the top 50 in the world golf rankings. That's pretty crazy to think about. Look, he's awful off the tee. He's awful in approach. Putting and around the green game saves saves his weekends often. But not here. Now, he's had great finishes, but 2015, when he was actually playing good golf, he finished 7th. 2017, finished 9th. And then the year after in 2018, missed the cut. I don't know what's going on with Jordan Spieth's golf game anymore. When prior to to that fall apart at the Masters, we were talking about how he was like the next coming of Tiger Woods, like elite golfer multiple major championships and since then he's fallen apart maybe it's the under armor contract could be something's not right he is just not a he's just terrible yeah anyways jordan spieth can't do it can't do it my final one is another trap stay away from ches Reeve at 8300 stay away you're going to look at his course history. You're going to be like, oh my God, Ches Reeve is a god. Ches Reeve Chalk Week always fails, rule number one. Ches Reeve winning tournaments is never going to happen. And he has a fourth here last year and a second here in 2018. People are going to be like, oh my God. And then he had miscut, 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 and a bunch of 40s years and years ago. But if you look at it, he has been terrible to close out the end of the year last year. He, he gained stroke in one event, the OHL, and he still came in 26th. There's no way in hell that I'm going to play Ches Reeve in the 8Ks after coming off two missed cuts this year already. He's getting his game back together slowly, but it's not there yet, not in this field, not against the, the caliber of like the world golf rankings that are here. There is no way in hell Ches Reeve has any business being as high priced as he is. Can't do it, won't do it, no. Nice. Nice. Ches Reeby, our favorite. All right. I am going to ask you a question for this segment. Your can't do it of these four, because this is where a lot of DFS players are going to get trapped. It's that 77 to 7,900 range of Corey Connors, Brian Harmon, Daniel Berger, and I know you already like Russell Knox, but 
we'll add him there in there anyway. What what do you think? Of who I'm not gonna play? Yeah. Who was the first choice? Berger? It was Connors, Harmon, Berger, and Knox. Harmon. Not playing Harmon. I'm not playing Harmon because one, he's got just a bunch of middling results here, which don't impress me. I like the fact that Connor ha- Connors hasn't played here at all, but he has been playing pretty solid golf uh, since the last time we saw him, so he's got some upside. Uh, I love Knox already, and then uh, who was the last guy? Berger, Berger, Harmon, Connors. Berger, I I like I like here, although I think of the four, he might come in pretty highly owned because of the course history that he has, and he's been playing decent golf. I, I look at this slate and I feel like these four golfers, if you get them right, is pivotal. No one's missed a cut in 2020 yet of these no, four. I agree. So, yeah, so great. other than Connors, they all have decent history here. Obviously, the worst being Harmon, as you already mentioned. I kind of agree with you, though. Harmon would be my man out. Um, it's just the approach game that I question, I suspect. So I just don't think he has the upside either to really to make or break. I mean, even if he gets through the cut and he finishes like 35th, like, all right, what does that get you? Who knows? Anyways, that was can't do it. Won't do it. <laughs> Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut, miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. And now we're going to go on to your side. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. I'm falling behind. (laughs) (laughs) Big time. Sorry. I guarantee he will make the cut. So, welcome to our other signature segment, the MG Monsters and Guarantee, where Zach and I will tell you our monster, our 6K player that we feel will finish in the top 25, and our guarantee, our 6K player that we guarantee to make the cut. We're not keeping score, (laughs) or are we? And right now, we are looking at me as an overall score of 4 of 6, while Zach is 1 of 6. Would have been 5 of 6 had Brandon Wu figured things out on Sunday in top 25, but that's okay. Both my Sorry. boys made the cut. Except for you, Zach. You are ice cold. All right. It's those fucking multiple course crap. I, I hate it. I'm going to blame that until this one doesn't work out. This one's working out, damn it. Well, because I am the... the by the way, <laughs> people are really mean to you on Twitter. Oh, that's what they do. Dude, that's no fair. Like, trying no fair. to... Are you trying to make this divided cut line? That'll never occur. That's because we both we both agreed on Wu. Like I I didn't I crossed him off and then you picked him and then I was pissed that you picked him because I was gonna pick him and then I didn't. I never thought in a million years you'd pick him, but and then he was like crushing on Friday and Straka was at the bottom and I was throwing shit against the wall. Like, God damn it! I don't know why you picked Steph Straka. That's like what I would do. I know. Well, I I I felt like you were so far ahead of me that I started getting in. Like, well, who are you gonna pick? Not anymore. Done. Starting over. Everything's flushed out. I'm starting over from last year. I got it back. I'm in your head, bro. No, not anymore. I, re-des- I retweaked everything. I'm, I'm ready. This Dude, is the week. I'm this li- is the week. I'm living there. But we'll see. We'll see you, what happens. You know how I know you suck? It ain't happening. By your DFS tag, I suck. I suck. <laughs> All 
All right, I'll kick it off. Do it, since you're in the lead. Yeah, why not, man? Sure. Why the hell not? Winner goes first. I'm going to start with my guarantee, and we are going to talk about Harold Varner the third at 6,800. More than likely at seven single-digit ownership, but he ranks 25th in my overall model. Not the best putter, but again, not a key stat here for this course. Um, middle of the road in terms of approach, middle of the road in terms of fairways gained. But what I do like is that Varner has missed the cut in his last two events and has had some middling success here in course history. I think he'll be low-owned. I think Varner has a bounce-back spot. He had a 10th place finish last year. Harold Varner III will make the cut. I guarantee it. It's a good call because he was on my short list of guys to pick. I actually have some interest in playing him as well. But I know who you won't have interest in playing. He's my guarantee this week. And that is an old favorite of mine in John Hunt at 6,400. He, I guarantee not only will he make the cut, but he will come in less than 2% owned this week. So there you go. There's a twofer for you. He has played well here. His last four years, he's made the cut here each year. Gr- granted, he had a 70th last year, which he was hurt a majority of the year. And then two 30s and a sixth back in uh, 20, I don't know what that year it was, 2016. Um, he has hurt a majority of last year, and that's the whole reason I didn't play him a whole bunch. And I've been watching him come back this year, hesitant to really play him. But he's made two straight cuts at the Amex and the Farmers. He's gaining strokes. He's slowly getting his tee to green game back. His approach game was a little better last week where he was gaining strokes. And his putter's been pretty good the last five or six events. It's the one thing that has he hasn't struggled with recently. I think he's slowly starting to put it together. I'm a little concerned about the strength of the field. But I do think that he knows his course well enough. He's healthy. He'll make the cut. Guaranteed. Guaranteed! That's a bold, that's a bold strategy there, Cotton. Oh, it's going to pay off. For all you 1.6% ownership people, it will pay off. I will probably have 1.5% of the ownership. All right, I'm going to go for a twofer. Because I'm that damn good. Do it. All right, my monsters here. My monsters. You know if you get one wrong, you get them both wrong. Is that what you're really going to do? So, like, if I get them both... If you pick two, you can't get... No, it, that's not fair. I'm winning. I can make the rules. If you pick two, you have to get... It's either zero or two. There's no one. You can put two points on me, or you get zero. There's no one. There's no 50%. Because then I'll pick six and be like, well, three of them made it. <laughs> Fine. I'll pick one. But I'm going to mention the other guy later. It's a guy I really know. like. Uh, my monster is going to be Doc Redman. Doc Redman ranks 33rd in the field in my fairways and greens, 17th in approach. And not the best putter, but again, you don't need to putt that well here. 26th in my overall ranking and 38th in my aggregate ranking. thing I like about Doc Redman is that I think he is going to go under-owned. Unless, of course, Brandon Gupp starts talking about Doc. Once Gupp starts talking about Doc, then it's over. He just His ownership shoots to the roof. But um, 24th in greens and regulation gained in the last 100 rounds and 18th in ball striking. So at 6,600, I don't think you can find many better plays than Doc Redman. I'm taking him. I can find a better play than Doc Redman for a couple hundred more. 
Chesson Hadley. Why are you going back to this well? Because he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He is a phenomenal player on Bermuda, and that is why I'm going back. Fifth in ball striking. I get it. I get it. But I already used him when he finished in the top 25. When? What what was it? It was at the, the, the Sony. Oh, my friend, are you counting that as a victory? Because he missed the cut at the Sony. Okay, it wasn't the Sony. It, you're, I think you're thinking of the Amex, which he was 29. So was... we might have to go. We might have to go back and check the scores on this. We're gonna have to do a revisionist history. We are because you might. You might be one. Lo- I might be one a little closer. I might be catching up. Anyways, Cheston Headley, you you are using him again. Again. He no. There is no reason not to. He's 20th last year and fifth year before that. He's two for two as a monster. Again, he missed the cut last week. There's he's a reason not, he's, he's sub seven k. Yeah, exactly. He was probably sub seven k last two years, and he got top twenty five. I don't care. Taking him, we're gonna be tied after this week because you're gonna lose a point for having Hadley when he got twenty ninth, and then I'm gonna gain two. It's gonna be three and six. Harry Higgs, man, sixty nine hundred. Out of here. I'm serious, oh, dude. Fine. Fine. Sebastian Kaplan. 20, 29th in approach. <laughs> ranks 30th in the model. Harry Higgs, sleeper. I'll give you a sleeper. I'm going to tell you right now, though. Higgs and Redmond, they might go double-digit ownership. And, and if they do, even though I'm calling Doc Redmond my monster, I don't know if I can own, do a double-digit 6K ownership guy. It's like a rule I have. It's like, why would you do it? Hey, because, you know, if someone if he's there, why not? All right, who's your sleeper? Uh, I said it. Sebastian Kaplan. Oh, okay. I've also got, you know, some Kevin Chapel as well. Anyone else in this 6K range you want to mention? CT Pan is 6,500. Trey Mullinax is 6,500. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Keith Mitchell, 64, is interesting. And I do like a little Kyung Hoon Lee at 6,100. Okay. I almost picked him as my monster, but I'm too far behind to really pull that out. Yes, you are. He's 21st two, two weeks ago. Maybe he'll be closer this week. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. Well, that's over. Okay, sorry. Sorry, sorry. I'm going back to the archives. I'm not letting you get away with this one. That's a wrap. It's over. It is all over. This is the cut lines breakdown of the waste management Phoenix Open. It's Pro Am Week next week. <laughs> Join us next week for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Am, as Zach got so excited for. Want to thank you, the listener, for spending your time with us. Want to thank Fanshare Sports, Fantasy National, and PJ Tour as well. Zach, I want to thank you for being on this show with me. Another excellent one, my. Uh, and I think you are. Uh, I think you're starting to struggle with this MG Monsters and Guarantee. No, no, 
Come on. It's like three events into the season. I'm not struggling. You're like old Phil Mickelson, man. Phil won last next last year at the Pebble Beach, so I'm just saying, I'm coming back. Cross your fingers. Again, thanks for joining us. Join us next week for the Pro-Am. Go get those wins, boys. Yeah!